Lent can be quite a, a gloomy time, and thinking about what am I going to give up, and uh, got to have a hard journey for 40 days and whatever else. So, at least at the beginning today, I want to concentrate kind of more on um, what I might call the positive side. Uh, the topic we, we happen to give it is uh, preparing to be overcomers. Who wants to be an overcomer? Come on, who wants to be an overcomer? Yeah, I'm sure we all won't overcome, isn't it? So, uh, uh, um, and Jesus had to overcome a few difficulties in his life. Um, so he needed to be prepared quite early on to make sure he had what it took. And actually a lot of what we go through in life, whether we like it or not, whether we realise it or not, is actually God's preparation for something really good he wants us to do. And of course, until we get there, the good thing that he wants us to do, we don't know what all the stuff's all about, because a lot of it is preparation. And uh, in the preparation is often where the, the testing and the temptation lies, and it's so easy to fall, because we think, what's this about? What's this got to do with anything? <laughs> and we just take our eyes off of him. But uh, uh, we have here to help us today uh, two of the most important stories in the Bible, or I ought to say histories in the Bible, uh, the story of the temptation of uh, Adam and the failure of Adam and the temptation of Jesus and the victory of Jesus. Uh, and both of them are directly relevant to our lives. Uh, we're like Adam, but of course we are in Christ and in Jesus. So these are very important stories for us. And uh, I'm going to try and pick up sort of three or four important themes or questions uh, they all rather interrelate, so if, I, you know, if you feel a bit confused, I'm a bit confused myself, so don't worry about that, because <laughs> they do interrelate. I try and separate things out, but they don't always separate. Uh, but the most important one, I think, actually, that comes through in these passages today is a sense about our identity. Who am I? Who are we? That's very important. And out of that comes question of authority. Uh, what authority power do we use? And, uh, and our destiny, where are we going? What's it all about? And, uh, and then of course, the, very, the nature of temptation that subtly tries to pull us left and right in all these, uh, in all these ways. Um, last week, I, I wasn't, didn't know what was coming this week, but in rather in passing, I referred to uh, some rather unusual verses in 1 Corinthians 15, and I'd just like to begin with that again, because uh, that's a bit confusing. Um, and uh, because th these verses, 1 Corinthians 15, sorry, 1 Corinthians, yes, that's right, 15, uh, 45 to 47. Because these two verses, these three verses talk about uh, Jesus and Adam. And that's exactly what we've got today. Adam and Jesus, that's what they talk about. Uh, and uh, it's, it's the, so let me just read them again. Because uh, um, they're, they're really helpful in, in, in giving a background for what we're doing today. So... Uh, <clears throat> Paul's talking about the natural body and the spiritual body. He's talking about the resurrection here, that we're going to be completely new beings because of Jesus in us. But it's all about uh, Adam and Jesus. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. Uh, all this is talking about the breath of God, isn't it? Uh, simple, my simple illustration here. Jesus, uh, sorry, the God breathed into Adam, but Jesus becomes the one who breathes out. God breathed life into Adam so that he became a living being. So we became alive with that potential to have a relationship with God beyond what the animals have. Uh, and uh, yet Jesus became the one who can breathe life 
give life, his spirit, to us. Right? So it's a completely different level, isn't it? Uh, so, uh, uh, and, and in that sense, he was the last Adam. Uh, he, he was the, old of the last of the old order. Yes, he somehow got the breath, the human breath in his life, didn't he? He was born like us as a human being. He had that breath. But he was the last one to have that, that breath, as it were, uh, and to fulfill all that God intended human beings to fulfill. He, he did all that. Adam failed, but he did it. He's the last one that did it properly. So we can forget now, trying just to do what Adam tried to do, we'll fail. <laughs> but if we receive the life-giving breath of Jesus into us, who's already been the last Adam, that's finished, uh, we will become part of the second man. What are you talking about now? All right, verse 47. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man, what's the second man? Is from heaven. All right, so here's a big difference. So one is from below and the other one's from above. With a good song that Joe, um, Joe chose to begin with. Light of the world, you stepped down into darkness. You came down from above. His identity is primarily from above, not from the dust, from below. Are you with me? Uh, and uh, that's very important, not just for Jesus, but for us, who do you think you really are? Do you think you're more from the dust of the earth or you're from above? Which is more important? Actually, you're from above. When you're a Christian, uh, here's one verse I remember. It took me a long time to spot this one. I, I probably won't come back to it again. Well, I will come back to it, actually. I'll come back to the second half of the verse. That would be my concluding point. But uh, uh, you know um, uh, the wonderful verse and song, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. You know that one? Yeah. You know the beginning of the verse? <laughs> Took me about 30 years before I spotted this, so I don't blame you if you haven't got it. So. It says, we are from God and have overcome him. He that is in us is greater than he that's in the world. You are from God. That's why you overcome the devil, because you're from God. You're from above. It's just like Jesus is from above. There you go. Because mm. your life is already hidden with Christ in God. So that's, uh, this is the key thing about identity that we so easily lose and forget. So uh, we may come back to that, but that's, the, that's really the foundation. Uh, the big question then for Jesus is, from the devil coming, uh, are you here just as a man? Uh, are you really the son of God? Uh, are you from below or are you from above? And the same questions come to us. Are we here just as a man or a woman? Uh, or are we a child of God? Are we from below or from above? And what are we here for? Are we just here to have a good life, have my needs met as a human being? So we keep asking God for this, that, the other, just to keep our lives going and have a good time here on this earth? That's the Adam life. Or are we here for a much higher purpose? That's the key question, I think, of every Christian's life. And the key temptation that we probably fall up on 24, not quite 24 7, but most of the time, <laughs> we slip into just being Adam rather than being a child of God from above. Now, the devil is very good at this, his job. Well, I not his job. He wasn't given his job. He's, uh, unfortunately, he stole it. But um, uh, as we heard in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, uh, the devil is literally as cunning as as a serpent and he looks to find any way 
to exploit our possible weaknesses. Uh, and usually the way he does that is by putting before us attractive counterfeits of the real thing. So he'll, he'll say, yeah, this looks good, doesn't it? say, yeah, well, it does look good, yes. But it's not the best. He'll always try and get us to get something that looks good and go for that, uh, rather than uh, keeping our eyes on, on what is the best from above. Uh, <clears throat> so the challenge is, therefore, to separate the truth from the lies. <clears throat> now, you've probably heard this before, but uh, <clears throat> uh, there's a lot of... Well, hopefully there's not too many out, but every now and then there's, there's forges out there. I think £20 notes was it was one they were a bit worried about a year or so ago. Uh, do you know how they, um, uh, the people in the banks spot the forgeries? Do you know how they train them and prepare them to spot the forgeries? Shining special lights, lamps through. Yeah, but, but they've got to have the ability, and that might be the implement they use, but how do they have the ability that they can say, ah, we know that's a forgery, that's a good one. The training, what's the training they, they do for them, do you know? They spend hours and hours studying the real one, not looking at all the counterfeits and what they do. So if they know the real one very, very well, anything that diverges from that, whatever it is, they'll spot it. And that's a very good lesson. <laughs> if you want to not be tricked by the false, if you know the real very, very well, you won't be deceived. The trouble is most of us don't know this as a start <laughs> and that's so we so easily deceive that we just don't know really who we are and in lots of kind of ways so uh, that's why um, that separating truth from the lies is, is the fundamental challenge so it's not surprising that the very first piece of armour that uh, uh, that Paul tells us to put on is the belt of truth so we need that buckled around our waist all the time 24-7 need to be in the word living by the word have it inside your heart something not, not, not all of it of course but it needs to be fundamentally part of who you are, that, that God's word has formed and directed your life. So you know who you are and who God is for you. And that should be just part of our regular walk. Um, uh, there will be other thing, parts of the armour we kind of take up when we need them. Uh, but that's, uh, that is foundational. And uh, uh, I think the main ways that uh, the enemy attacks uh, uh, that come out in both these stories are, uh, is to use... God's power, or sometimes just our own power, to achieve my ends, uh, as opposed to well, either using God's power to achieve my ends, or to use my power to achieve God's ends. Either way, it's kind of where the temptation comes, uh, and it's in these areas of uh, words. I'm going to, the words I'm going to use things like uh, destiny, authority, and control, and identity. So they rather inter interrelate. Inter so if you just kind of get a general idea, that would help. So, for example, uh, the enemy questions the clear choice of paths that God gave to Adam and to Jesus. He questions our destiny. Where, where are we going? You know, so for, to, the, to Adam, what does he say? Oh, if you eat that um, fruit, what will happen to you? God says, you will die. Oh, no, 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 you won't die. No, no, no. God laid before Adam two clear paths. You walk with me in fellowship. You know, I'll lead you on and maybe one day you'll eat the tree of life and you'll live with me forever. That's the plan forever. But if you eat this here, you will lose that. Very clear choice. Uh, the enemy muddles it up and says, no, 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 no. No, you can eat that as well and still live forever. Well, you won't die. So it's, it's, he changes the way of where we can go. He changes the choices by putting in a counterfeit. Uh, and uh, um, 
So to gain the knowledge of good and evil without waiting for God to give and reveal it. Uh, and, and then, of course, he puts that new destiny of, well, actually, you can become like God himself. You can become one better. So there's a good plan for you. So, uh, uh, the, and ultimately, the temptation is to take control of your own path. That's the biggest temptation. Take control to myself, to do it my way. The devil's way, actually. But we think it's my way. We'll be persuaded that we're in charge and we've done it for our own good. But that's the devil's subtle temptation. It's not, you, it's not the devil that, that, that causes sin, it's you. But he will tempt you and put everything before you to get you to make that choice. Uh, we are tempted when we are led away by our own desire, James says. Uh, it's not ultimately the devil's fault, uh, but we fall for it. Uh, I've just, when I was, as I was writing this, I, I remembered, um, and when you fall for the enemy's stuff, it usually feels good, you know. I remember when I was uh, 18 years old, I went up to university, and uh, I'd been feeling for a few years, I thought, it's all a bit difficult, this Christian stuff, it just makes me feel guilty. And I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to live without this. I'm going to throw off all this guilt and this conscience stuff from the I thought, well, not quite conscience, but you know what I mean. And I thought, I'm just going to, I don't think, I'm not sure it's true anyway. I just live, I'll live free of this. And I'm sure I will be a better person living free than having to go around carrying all this guilt around with me. I felt great. I'm free. Hallelujah. I'm going to be a really good person now by my own efforts and energy. Two years later, I realised it hadn't done me any good at all. <laughs> Took me a long time to work that one out. <laughs> but it felt good. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and this is the way the enemy works. To come out from under God's control. Oh, yeah, I'm free. Oh, this feels good. And that's what he did with Adam. Yeah, you can eat that beautiful fruit. It feels good to eat that fruit. Mm. Anyway, so there you go. All right, well, um, I'm going to come mainly now to, uh, 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 to look at Jesus and the temptation that he was under. And uh, as, as I've already hinted, the main temptation for Jesus was on his identity. If you are really the Son of God, then you ought to be able to do all these kind of things. Otherwise, you're not really the Son of God, are you? Show me, prove to me that you're the Son of God. Are you the true version? Are you really this? Or are you just a, a, half, a half-baked Son of God? Uh, I can make you to be obviously who you are then by what I'm testing you on. It's all counterfeit stuff, subtle uh, and as I say, control, take control, do what you want. You're hungry now? Change these stones into bread. And to me, this is the fundamental temptation. No wonder it's the first one. And doesn't Jesus have a good answer? What was his answer? Man does not live by bread alone, but the key part is the second part. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We are just not natural, physical Adam beings. Just here, okay, well, you know, why am I bothering with this 40 days going around the desert without food? What a waste of time. There's some bread, that stone, that, just turn it to bread and eat it. Oh, what a good idea. I'm wasting my time here in the desert. Let's get on with this job. Miracle, get on with it. Why not? Only one reason. Because God said it's not the time yet. We live by the word of God and his timing. What he says, we do it. And that's often a tough one for all of us, especially to wait for God's timing when we want it now. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, that's the hardest temptation, to not take control, especially to want things now that God says, maybe, but not yet. And the second is to listen to God and 
to actually do what he asks us to do and when he asks us to do it. Uh, sometimes that's easy, sometimes it's hard. Uh, the, the next temptations are things like, uh, if you're the son of God, you've got the power then. So just display signs and wonders so everyone will follow you. Uh, come out from under God's authority. Uh, and, then the, and then the last one, sorry, the last one is, is, is kind of the authority worship issue. Will you come out from every, uh, you don't have to have the verses up there. Will you come out from under God's authority? Acknowledge Satan's authority. Worship me and I will give you authority over all the kingdoms of the world. That's what you want anyway. You've come to be the king of this world. You've come to be the Messiah. Well, you know, I can give you the quick way there. Uh, and you can gain the ultimate prize, that destiny you've come for, uh, without having to go through the suffering of the cross. Strange way that God's, not that he necessarily knew or understood that, but, but uh, uh, surely uh, Jesus already had a sense that the path was going to be suffering. Whereas the enemy is presenting him subtly with, well, you can just do the same thing, but just cut out the suffering. Well, those are the temptations. Uh, when they came to Adam, he failed. Why did he fail? Because he took his eyes off his best friend, God. You know, he took his, he put his shield down. Yeah, the shield of face. You know, uh, he started quoting what God had said, didn't he? I said, no, no, God didn't say that. God said this. But then after a bit, when the enemy started saying something that sounded better, I said, oh, well, okay, that sounds better. He put his shield down. Uh, uh, so there's, there's two things he did. So he took his eyes off God, who he knew was his best friend, that that relationship he didn't want to lose uh, for anything, and he didn't stick to the truth. But he, uh, he, he began to uh, listen, listen to the questioning and the challenging of what God had said. Uh, so he hadn't got that, uh, the sword ready to defeat the enemy. But on the other hand, Jesus succeeded and was victorious. Why? Because he knew his father's nature, that God could be trusted even if he made him wait for stuff. He knew his own identity. He knew what was God's way. God's way was always to operate in God's authority and not in his own. I only do what I see the father doing. Remember that one? I only speak what the father gives me to speak. And he knew God's word and how to handle the word of truth, to stand on it and fight with it and win the battle. So uh, Jesus overcame the, uh, overcame the devil. He won the victory. Hallelujah. Let's say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because it's a very important victory. It's very important for us and we should rejoice in it. And the devil left him uh, for an opportune time. He thought, oh, well, I failed on this one. Um, but uh, I was just reflecting. You may or may not agree, but I, just, but I think... Uh, Really, the devil came back uh, at various times. Of course, he came back right at the end. But uh, opportune times, I think I can find these three temptations come back to him uh, when perhaps he's not necessarily looking for it. But, uh, but notice they always come through human agents now. Yeah, that was the kind of direct stuff. Now he'll come through human beings. So uh, we get the crowds coming to him. Do you remember after the, in John chapter 6, after the feeding of the 5,000? The crowds say, this is really good. We've got somebody who can make bread and, you know, when we're desperate, he can fulfill our needs. We'll make this person king by force. This is brilliant. And, uh, and Jesus doesn't accept their adulation and praise uh, at that point. 
In fact, he just puts them off completely, so they all go away. Uh, he starts telling them, no, no, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and I've come down from heaven uh, to, do, to give you life, so you have to eat me, not this miraculous stuff I've done. And they thought he was mad, and she did sound mad. And so they all left. He didn't mind they all left, because he wasn't concerned about that. So uh, the crowd tried to get him uh, to turn stones into bread, just for them. Uh, then the Pharisees, what miraculous sign will you do so we may believe in you? Come on the temple, throw yourself off, do a miraculous sign. Just keep doing miraculous signs. Yeah, so we believe in you. Of course, he'd already done a few miraculous signs. They weren't bothered about that. They just want another one, they want another one. You know, because they just kept wanting miraculous signs. He wasn't going to be tempted by them. But the most difficult one was uh, about his destiny and how he was going to get to his destiny to be the king of all the world. Was he going to go through the cross or was he not? And who did the devil use to do that one? Peter. Oh, you're the Messiah. You must take man's way. You must take your kingly authority over the kingdoms by your great power. You've come as the Messiah to save you. Don't go this way of the cross. Don't, don't go through suffering. What are you talking about? Never, Jesus. Just God forbid that you go that way. His closest follower became a mouthpiece of Satan, just like the last temptation. So he didn't just say to Peter, you're wrong, I'm not following you. He said, get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the things of men, the things of Adam, not the things from God from above. See how it is again? <laughs> that, that what comes from Adam uh, is uh, dodgy, to put, put it mildly. <laughs> uh, yes, we have our nature. God's created us in God's image. But that, that sense of thinking of man is very dangerous. So let's conclude then. Uh, what's the best solution to all of this? Know who you are. What defines your identity? Who are you? I don't know if people ask, they don't usually go around asking, who are you? And say, well, I'm, I'm Graham Smith. No, no, but I mean, no, no, no. Who are you really? Well, I'm a, a human being. Wrong answer. <laughs> I know you are. But fundamentally, uh, we should be thinking, whether we say it or not, if people are challenged, who are you? The answer should be, not just I'm a human being, but I am a child of God. That's who we are now. Once you become a Christian, you're not from above anymore. Oh, sorry, <laughs> they are tempting. Somebody's confusing me. Confusion. You're not from below anymore. Well, we are from below. But more importantly, we're now from above because we're going to live forever from above. That one goes on forever. We're in Jesus. The resurrection life's already in us. So that's our, that's our future now. We came from the dust. Yeah, fine. Don't forget that. Keep humble, we came from the dust. But now, we're in the second man. We're going to live forever. We're from above. And that's who you are. That's who we are. We're a child of God. I think one of my Selwyn Hughes things recently is saying, this should be the most amazing thing that we get up every morning just to realize how incredible that is. That you are a child of Almighty God who created the universe. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Because of that... Uh, you don't have to go man's ways to do stuff. You've, you're connected with Almighty God. He'll lead you to do the right ways in the right time and it will be the best way by far. It might not seem like it at the time, but if you live by his word, uh, uh, then you'll find the best way to do it. Why do you have to compromise and do it your way and lose the reward? And uh, finally, once we know we're participating in that divine, divine nature, we have his divine power in us. We know we can overcome. We have a glorious future uh, given to us in him, a destiny that is 
beyond your wildest dreams. Uh, and God's word says to us, yeah, I'm going to take you there. It's going to be tough. But God, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And I often quote one of Jesus' um, last promises. This is one of the best promises in the Bible, but it sounds like the worst one at the beginning. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Oh dear, that's not a very good promise, is it? But take heart, I have overcome the world. Do you want to be an overcomer? We already are in him. So let us pray.